Welcome, welcome, welcome to Basketball Heads Live. I'm your host, Glenn Poole Harding. And tonight, we have a very special guest. This New York City legend was a late bloomer. He wasn't the star of his high school team, nor was he in college. But what he did afterwards was far from amazing. Growing up in the Bronx, he saw his first AAU game and fell in love and became a basketball head. In high school, he attended Rice, but didn't play to his senior year. Looking for a school to offer him a scholarship, he sent out letters hoping that a school would take him. His former coach got him into Penn Valley Community College. There, he helped him win a NJCAA National Championship. After that, this basketball head took his talents to Alabama State, where he played for two years. Upon returning home, after graduating, he made up his mind that he would go on a mission to compete against the best ballers in New York City. Hopefully, this would give him a chance to play professional ball somewhere. That chance came when he wrote down the names of every street baller he had to kill to get to the next level. By the time he was finished, this basketball head became a New York City legend. Yes, big time, destroy everyone. He also became a professional basketball player in Australia, NBL Professional League, where he would win MVP in 2010. Help me welcome to the show, New York City legend and NBL analyst, Corey Homicide. Williams. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? ready? Yes. Yes. You have you just stepped out into the world, world of chaos. chaos. Where everybody, Where everybody goes, goes hard. hard. Chilling, man. I'm chilling, man. Good to hear from you, man. Thank you for coming on the show, by the way. Yeah, it's all good, man. You know, we got to take it back to the essence. So that's um, right. That's right. Time to discuss, you know, my upbringings and everything that got um, me in this position. We got to go to it. That's right. We got to get right. to it. You know, I, I, I've been on your live, and I've seen some, you know, some New York basketball icons and New York basketball royalty on it so it was only right that uh we had this opportunity to connect and talk about it that's right that's right well let me say this brother i am so proud of you man i'm super super proud of you i love to see my guys who play ball in new york city that came up and then they transitioned to the next part of life because here at basketball has you know our official sponsors game over and a lot of times when that game is over, we got to figure out what we're going to do in the next part of life. So salute to you, my brother. You know, I, I appreciate it, man. I, I really appreciate it. And that's more 
you know, um, when I go on these platforms, I like to talk about more, you know, um, my route wasn't the, the typical route. You know, I really needed the park, you know what I mean? But we're going to get into it. So, you know, let, let's, that's right. That's right. So listen, I like to ask all my guests, you know, been watching the show. Yo, who introduced you to the game? Um, my brother, my brother, George, he, uh, now my family's Jamaican, right? Um, yes. from the West Indies and, you know, in our culture in the summer times, you know, you know, our kids are used to going to the island for the whole summer. And then when school start up at the end of the summer, you go back, you know, to what you're doing, you know, you go to school in America. So that's what I was usually, I was doing as a young adolescent. This specific summer, I decided not to go to Jamaica. I started playing, you know, just, just basketball. But this specific summer, I did not go to Jamaica. And my brother played with Riverside. He was playing at Millbank. Nice, nice. Home of Cone Rucker, you know. So he played with the church. And I was bored one day. And I literally was just like, yo, what you doing today? He's like, you know, I got a game. I was like, well, I, I got nothing else to do. Let me go on and go watch you play. He's like, all right, cool. And I went and I fell in love with the game. I was in the gym at Millbank in Harlem, 118th between Lennox and Fifth. And I literally was like, oh my God, like I want to play this game. I don't know how to play, but I want to learn. I want to learn how I want to play. So that's what really got me into it. You know, coming, coming from the Bronx, you know, we didn't have that much money or access to really have the ability to go to the garden and go watch the Knicks, you know, and that's what was awesome about growing up and coming from the mecca of basketball that you can go down the block and play you know <clears throat> on the courts and you know my heroes came True. from playground basketball yeah you know i'm saying those are the guys i can go see you know reach out and touch go to rucker park and hopefully that was my madison square garden wow man look it's always good to have a big brother or family member uh show us the game a lot of my guys who i interview their sister showed them the game. So to hear, you know, one of the guys uh, teaching their little brother the game, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what was the first team you was on, if you remember? Well, I played with um, this uh, team called Cadet Corps, which was 170th on the four train. And, and um, Jerome Avenue? Jerome Avenue was on, on the four train. It was called Cadet Corps. And after that, I ended up going to uh, Millbank. I, I ended up playing biddies for Millbank, which was uh, 12 and under, if I'm correct. Yes. And I, that's who I started playing. So my coach at the time was a gentleman named Wayne Banner. And I obviously wasn't talented, but um, so he helped began developing me. You know, one thing about New York, uh, we're fucking awesome when it comes to basketball. You know, that's just the reality. We're the Mecca. So, you know, you can get guys that are really good immediately so a guy like me that really needed to develop you really needed somebody who really took their time to want to develop kids and talent because you know you can grab a kid right now who's nice so why would i worry about the kid that i need to develop three four years from now to see a result when i can grab a kid right now who can go so you know, I understood my journey. I understood where I was at, and that was the best thing. You know, there wasn't no smoke and mirrors with me. You know, I understood that I needed to develop, and I was 
no stranger to hard work. So, you know, it was just something that I wanted to do and become good at. So I didn't have any problem, you know, putting in the hard work. Well, you should be a, an example of that. Like when they talk about hard work in basketball and making their own bones and making their own way, they should have a picture of you there. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of guys that, that did it their own way, but your way was kind of a little bit different because a lot of my guys who I interviewed, you know, they was good at high school, right? So if they wasn't good at high school, they was really good in college. You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't have any of those things going for you until later on. And a lot of times when that happens, God usually give up. You didn't. And that's what I think makes your story just so unique and so different. You know, I've been around the game a long time, brother, and researching your story, reading about uh, and seeing it firsthand, but also seeing the, and reading about the backstory. Because a lot of times we, we see the, the bright lights, but a lot of people don't know how hard you have to work to get to where you are right now. Man, I appreciate Come on, brother, right now, you, you are like the Stephen A., of Australia right now, and you bring it back a whole league, okay? So New York City in the house. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate it. You know, a lot of times um, you can jump on, people want you on their podcast and they don't do the research. They just want you on, you know? So I appreciate you just doing the research on me. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's been a lot of hard work. Um, make no mistake, I'm as humble as they come, but I understand my body of work. I understand what I've done. You know, I understand that in the position that I am in, I am a one of one, you know? That's right. I needed the park. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of ball players that come from New York, that's nice. And the nicer you are, here's how it works for those who don't know. <clears throat> the nicer you are at a young age, the better the situation is for you. When you're nice when you're young, you add value immediately. So people want you a part of their program. Right? Cool. Yeah. Which means you can dictate the means more or less. I want to start. I want to play varsity. I want the ball in my hands or else I'm not going to your school. Okay? It's a business. All right. We want you here. So we're giving you the keys to the car, win or lose. That puts you in a situation for a college recruiter to do the same thing. Right. Right? Winning Fact. begets winning. So once that happens, you go to a college. Win, lose, a draw, and the better you are, the more talent you'll have around you. So you have the weapons to achieve greatness, winning. Then when you get there, you have the agent that's now coming to recruit you. Yes. Who has the Rolodex and has the contacts to put you in the situation that's best for you in your career. Again, I'm the complete opposite. I wasn't that good. So I was the guy literally trying to put a career together. I'm driving a car, right? I got my car. Now, the car that I have, I have to steal car parts to get this car on the road, mm. all right? So I got to steal, like, a hubcap for this car wheel, this rim don't match, this other tire on the right side in the back. The front tire is partially with a flat, so I got, like, a seal so the, so the air don't come out. Then I got one good tire, and then the windows don't work. You know what I'm saying? And duct tape, not duct tape, scotch tape is literally holding this car together. Imagine <laughs> trying to drive a car like that in New York City with those potholes. That's how I had to go through and attempt 
to jumpstart a career that nobody's helping me and believing in. Mind you, I'm a young man with no experience. I lack anybody that's done this before me who could tell me, this is how you do this shit. This is what I'm navigating with. And all I got is faith that, guess what? I have no plan B. This is my mentality. This shit is going to work. <clears throat> wow. How Listen, do you do that? that's, that's crazy. First of all, I want you to give me one sec. My artist is at the door. He wanted to make sure he, come to, he came tonight. Hold on for one sec. All right. Hold on, Mel. Shout out to everybody checking in. Shout out to Rising Scholar. Shout out to K-Dub the Barber. Who else is in the building? Shout out to A-B. Definitely have to fix the car. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. You know I mean? So it was really just more like, you know, I went to middle school after that. I ended up going to Rice High School, which at the time was the number one high school in the nation. I had no idea. You know what I'm saying? Believe me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Top, 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 top. People, did y'all hear what, listen, let me explain. Did y'all hear what he said? He's from New York City. He's from uptown. He played basketball. Went to Rice High School and had no idea who Rice High School was. So I know his story is legit. Because everybody who played basketball know who the hell Rice High School is. Exactly. So imagine this. Mind you, Felipe Lopez is there at the time, right? Felipe did. <laughs> so Reggie Freeman, Scientific Map, some of the best high school players in the country, in the city, in the state, right? I don't know what school I'm attending because here's what happened. Here's how I got there. I'm in middle school and my grades were bad, right? And it wasn't because academically I wasn't able to um, deal with the handle the curriculum, it was more, this is when back in those days where a teacher would give you a grade based on your behavior if you're borderline, passing or failing. Gotcha. So if I got a C in the class, if I'm borderline D, they will give me a C if I'm a good student in class and my behavior is well. But I'm going to get that D if I'm acting up. He's not giving me the benefit under the doubt if I'm borderline. So my grades were bad. As a result, I did not get into, get into any school I applied for, for high school. I could not even graduate middle school. I got in trouble in class so much, the principal said, look, you graduated, here's your certificate, you're not walking <laughs> down the aisle. Biggest disappointment ever till this day for my mother. Wow. I couldn't she, I couldn't go to graduation. I had to be at her right. job sitting in the office while she worked. And we're supposed to be at my graduation ceremony. So I got accepted to Washington Irving. We're online. It's uh about 20 people on the line. It might have been 15 girls on the line. So at this point, you know, that was half my trouble in the middle school. I was just uh finished. You know, always trying to be the class clown or be socially accepted so you go mess with the girls. If the girls like you, you cool. Yeah. You know? And there's about 15 girls on the line. My mother said, oh, you think you're going here? Let's go. I didn't get my orientation ID. I'm like, where are we going? The next day, she takes me to Rice High School. We sit down with the dean. The dean looks at my transcript and says, Ma'am, we can't let your son in here. Academically, he won't be able to keep up. Look at his grades. 
My mother begged the dean to let her son in that school. They said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll put him on academic probation. After the first half of the year, we'll reevaluate his uh, grades and we'll make the final decision from there. I had an 80 average. My mother had to pay tuition. You know, back in those days. Yeah. Now, if you're good to go, if you're nice and people want you in your school to hoop, you're getting a scholarship. My mother paid tuition all four years. Mm. I got an academic partial scholarship my junior year on out. Well, I had to, my mother could pay half the tuition at that point. Mm. I had an 80 average all the way through Rice High School. So academically, it wasn't that I was not able to handle the curriculum. I just needed accountability and direction. It was an all-boys school. You had to put on a blazer, tie, and slacks. So accountability breeds responsibility. You mess up, yeah. you're in detention. Now, then, while I went to Rice, I found out this was the number one high school in the nation. I was <laughs> like, damn, I'm in Rice? I had no idea. None. So at this point, you know, you are who you hang out with. You know what I'm saying? Felipe Lopez is in the, in the lobby. You see him every day. Rice is only about 400 people. So you see a graduating class of 90 kids. You're seeing everybody. And you understand That's right. if this is the number one high school player in the country. And he's handling himself as a humble young man, like everybody else. It's setting the standard for anybody else who want to play ball in this school. You are who you hang out with. Whoever your peers are, you will become, whether you want to believe that or not. Facts. I started having discipline, meaning I had a structure in my daily regimen, which was what? You wake up. I'm from the Bronx. You wake up. You take that D train to 125th, or you take the D to, uh, to the 4, to the 2 train, right? Boom. You get off. You grab your bagel with cream cheese, go inside, you get to class. After class is over, you got study hall. After study hall, you got practice. After practice, you go home, you eat, shower, repeat. You play your games on the weekends or maybe one during the week. You ain't got no time for trouble. That's right. It's the number one high school in the nation. So if you are starting to really think about playing basketball and go to college, you focused. So there's no riffraff. I ain't in no gangs. I ain't hanging out. I'm trying to get better. I just told you I was not that good, which means if I'm in a number one high school in the nation, I got a lot of catching up to do. That's real. Let's go get it. So that's how wow. it began. Mm, mm, mm. That's crazy, man. In high school and have no clue where the hell you are. Damn. Brother, you deserve to be where you at right now because the only way you got there was hard work. That's that, it. That, that was the only way. Nobody giving you a pass nowhere, especially now in New York City. You have to earn everything. Everything. You know, so, so go ahead. You know, slowly I ended up, you know, getting better. Again, the work you put in is the work you're going to get out. I would never at that point, it's not in four years with all that basketball talent, you're going to catch up to the best players in, 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 in Rice. You're just not. Because it's going to be lack of opportunity. Because you ain't that good. These guys are good now. So we're rolling with them. You know what I mean? So all I could do is use that as the, I'll show you. Never forget what I'm saying right now. I'll show you. So I kept that mentality. I kept working hard. I got better. 
I got good enough my senior year to get a JUCO offer. I went to right. junior college in Kansas City. I went to Penn Valley Community College. Those of you who do not know the JUCO route, you will be forced. You you will be forced to level up or go to fuck home. You got two years to get a four-year right. full ride scholarship. That's it. You got two years to show that you are good enough to get a scholarship somewhere else. Okay? There's no you go to four years immediately after high school, you have two years to develop, and your junior and senior year, you'll be ready. Oh no. That might as well be the minor leagues. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. so, so my freshman year, I got no playing time. We end up winning the championship. The guy I played in behind was an All-American. I mean, again, I'll show you you were wrong. He left. I got better. The coach left. And a new coach came in and said, look, you know, we want you to be the guy this year. Say no more. I just did four years of having to prove myself to get playing time at Rice. And I just did my first year in junior college. I got to prove myself. So no now, what was right. lacking all of these times? The opportunity. Preparation is power. So all this time, I've been waiting for an opportunity for somebody to believe in me, to show them. Now I get it. I was junior college first team All-American. I was MVP of the region. I averaged about 25 my sophomore year, right? Yes. After that, we lost in the championship at the buzzer. I was going to get that ring again to show them. I'm going to take y'all back there. We lost in the championship. My point guard got ripped at the end. And they fucking scored. Game over. We lose the championship. So everything I wanted to do, I wrote down going into my sophomore season. And I achieved pretty much every individual honor you could get. This was a Division II junior college. Right? So from there, um, the offers that I had, I had Washburn University. At the time, they had a player named Dan Bowie. This was the, like, top three Division II in the nation back in those days it wasn't like it is now where you have youtube so if you're good they can find you back in those uh, days it was like you're not going d1 you ain't do you ain't about nothing so true so true so true so i ended up um having an offer to go to alabama state university which was the hbcu and i had an offer to go to niagara university which was obviously niagara division one um so i went on a visit to niagara university and it was myself, shout out to Alvin Young, who um, ended up leading the nation in scoring the next two years. And it was another player. So he and I, we were on the visit. Shout out to Brooklyn. And we nice. went. So, you know, we playing against each other or whatever. And at the end of the visit, they sat us down and was like, look, we want, we like all three of you guys. You know, you guys interested in coming to the school. This is the head coach. And we're all like, yeah, of course, because we all know this is a situation where whoever goes, you're going to get the ball. Mm. So we all like, yeah. You know, both of us, we from New York. There was another guy. I forgot where he was from. But me and Al, like, yeah, we both want to go. You know, and this is what the coach says to us, okay? And this is lack of, this is why we need leaders. We need guidance for these young men. Here's what he says. We want all y'all, we know all y'all want to come here. Whoever, we're going to all put y'all on a plane to go home. Whoever calls us first at 8 p.m. will get the scholarship. 
How do you tell young kids something like that? Yes, great. This is yeah. what this is what he said to us in August, right? Anyway, Alvin Young goes. Alvin Young, the next two years, becomes leading scorer in the country. Has a great career in Europe. Kill. Shout out to A. Young, right? Facts. Salute, A. And I, at that point, I'm like, all right, I ain't going to Niagara. I'll go to HBCU, which I wanted to go to HBCU anyway. Plus, I'm going to be in a position to do my thing, too. But it ain't just a high D1. It's a mid-low level D1. Whatever. Whatever the journey takes me, I'm on it. It's free. I'm going to get an education. That's right. And just go from there. I get there. Junior year, I was 15. Senior year, we started out bad. You know, we had small schools. So, you know, you get paid to go play Alabama, Mississippi. And all they doing is smacking us. Right? <laughs> right? So then, you know, my coach pretty much gave up on the senior class and was like, we ain't going to do nothing this year. I might as well get these young boys ready. I ended up uh, backing up. I, I started, but I ended up splitting time with underclassmen. That's how my senior season went, right? So I finished up averaging like 10. Now, mind you, I'm at a small university. I don't have a big name or a big rep. I have no agent. And I have no coach pushing me with, with the relationships that a basketball university head coach should have. You know, it was times where I was in a Greyhound bus. I went to Alabama State, Montgomery. It was times I was in a Greyhound bus taking trips to Atlanta, going to free agency camps. Just like, yo, I got, I got to show people I could play. Mm. You know what I mean? I need help, and I don't have help. I'm in the dorm one day. And I'm reading Slam, which is the basketball Bible. And I'm literally yeah. like, well, I'm hearing about Rucker Park, you know, guys getting opportunities to go to the park, go through the park, guys getting opportunities um, at the next level, which was like guys getting recruited. You know, you heard Skip and Ali Mo, God bless yeah. his dad. Jerry Tarkanian came to Rucker, saw them play. You know what I mean? Gave them the scholarship to go to college. So I'm in my head. I'm literally in my head like, well, I guess I got to go the street ball route and go to the NBA from the street ball. Mm. The level of ignorance to actually think, I'm going to go to the street ball courts and get a shot to the NBA. Now, let me ask you something. Who's ever done that? <sighs> the only thing, person I can say who did that and played in the NBA is Lloyd Daniels because he didn't play college basketball. Sweet Pea didn't go to college? No. He played, he played like two years, and then something happened, and he dropped out. Then he was supposed to go to UNLV, then he got shot. Okay. Then he went overseas to play, and then Jerry Tarkanian, again, another blessing, gave him a shot. So Jerry Tarkanian gave him a shot. Pee Wee Kirkland got an opportunity to the NBA. They offered him a contract, but he didn't go because he was making somebody. Shout out to 
uh, Big Cash. Yeah, shout out to the OG Pee Wee Kirkland. I know the story that Chicago Bulls came for Pee Wee Kirkland yep. from the park, but he was like, I make 40 grand in a week, you know? So he had an offer, but he didn't take the offer. But that is- But, but Pee Wee also played college ball too. Pee Wee played college ball too. Check, check, yeah. Pee Wee played college ball, I think, uh, NAIA school. He was down there killing. He also, right. he did his thing to Rucker, but he also. incredible. You know why? Just because of the fact that these are the names. Yes. You know what I'm saying? These are Facts. icons. Okay? Yeah. These ain't legends. They, I, and I hate the word legend because it gets thrown around so loosely. I hate Not that. here. Not here. You, you, you have to really earn that for me to call you a legend. You got to, for me to call you a legend, you had to really earn it, earn it. You had to earn those strikes. I, I don't call everybody a legend at all. Yeah. Me and my lawyer, Mace, Naismith, we discussed this a long time ago when he was on my show. And I remember playing with my lawyer when he was 16, when he was just trying all those tricks out. Right, so you are right. definitely in a, in a super class. All right? Future. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I literally was just like, and mind you, I'm coming out of high school, out of college. I don't know any of these people. You got to remember how the story began. I didn't even know rice, let alone <laughs> street culture. You know what I'm saying? I'm a kid from the Bronx. You know what I mean? I went to rice just because for disciplinarian reasons. Right. You know, so. And salute to mom, too. Salute to mom. Because without you going on that path, a lot of these things don't happen. So salute to mom, man. No doubt. No doubt, bro. You know, and I was just more remembering, damn, man, like, I hope I have the courage to play in front of a live crowd like Rucker Park and put on because every game is an opportunity for me to potentially be seen to go to the NBA. This is how I'm thinking. You know, you hear the stories of the people that come to the games and watch. And, you know, people get discovered. It's New York. People get discovered. So I hope I can get on a team and have an opportunity to perform the way I know I can play. But the biggest, most important thing is finding a team and hopefully be able to perform at a high level in front of a hostile crowd. I've never played street ball before at a high level. Rucker, West Fork, these tournaments. So, crazy. Listen, yeah. This shit is intimidating for yeah. a New Yorker. Yes. <laughs> now, the best thing that happened for me was I wasn't the Corey Williams from Rice. I was different. My body developed, my mindset was different. I remember everybody who people said, I'm nowhere near as good as them. But in my right, opinion, right. now, four years later, right. let's go get it. So now imagine this. You know me from 91 to 95. Mm -hmm. Like, ah, this thing is just a defender. He just play hard. You know what I mean? He ain't like that. Come on, it's Corey. Four years later, you don't know what the fuck I've been up to. But it doesn't matter. You remember me as how you remember me. Right. Now we get on the court. I'm playing everywhere. I'm playing in tournaments 
where I'm not with a team that got a crew, right? If I'm on a team with a crew, all I'm going to be doing is role playing. If I'm on a team that don't have big names, I got an opportunity to dictate what's going on. Thanks. So my whole play in street ball was get on teams that I'm going to have the ball and be able to dictate it. For example, Westbrook Harden. Yeah. Even if they lose, those numbers are ridiculous. Now, here's where my point is. I want you to understand my mindset. <clears throat> Tell me the most all-time winningest streetball player. The old, the, how can I say this? I remember in the 80s when uh, Kurt Sumter and Pete Edwards played together and they, they didn't lose. They did not lose. lose. They how went around. They, got? Uh, they won every tournament. And I forgot what year it was. It was, it was like for two years where they just went on a run, where they were just killing everything in sight. And Kurt Sumter was just killing everything with an MVP. That's the only kind of, that's the only thing I can remember. I can't remember too many people winning everything, like for a whole summer. Who got the most championships in the NBA? Teams or individuals? Most championships. Player. Um, right now, as we speak, or ever, because it's different. All right, you got uh, think Bill Russell. Rock, maybe get Bill Russell. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Facts. Facts. My point is, nobody gives a fuck about who wins championships in streetball. Facts. That's, That's why I didn't point. remember. Yes. But you remember when Pee Wee Kirkland. Giving motherfuckers 50 and terminated, giving 70 and 80. Those Fact. are the stories that live forever. Yes. So that was my point. In order for me to get the notoriety I'm looking for that's bigger than street ball, I got to kill people. Okay? That's the play. You leave Where did the list come from? Where did the list come from? You leave a game with 50, you give up NBA player 30. <laughs> you watch the NBA player ask that's a respected NBA player. That's how your legend continues. Nobody gives a fuck in the big picture how many championships a streetball player got. Facts. That shit is only cool in streetball. I don't want to be a streetball player. I want to be a professional. I'm using this platform to jumpstart and trampoline to the pros. So that's not impressive on the biggest level. Facts. You know what I'm saying? So when you know your mindset is that, that's what I need to focus on. So opportunities start coming slowly when I started dominating the playgrounds. And that's exactly how a guy with a huge name that's on a stacked crew could never outscore me. They didn't know why. If you got five people on your team that's just as nice as you are, you but can't dominate the ball. So I true. Shoot 20 times I could turn the ball up. I have more room for error and more opportunity to shoot and score. There's no way to box score. You're going to outmatch me. I'm going to double your output. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to win, but if I don't, right. win, okay. But at least you can see everything I can do as a player. I can cut up the film. My games are on NBA TV, which is global. Shout out to Rising Scholars. He made sure. Me and Bone Collector, our games 
were on NBA TV at Rucker Park, which is the NBA of street ball. Right. You get what I'm saying? So we got the Friday night light game. We got the Monday games, the Monday and, and Tuesday games that are on TV. We got the best teams we're playing against. And me and Bone Collector got the ball the whole time. I have more opportunity at that point for my games to have a reach globally building a brand without even knowing it. People knew Homicide more than they knew Corey Williams. It was one game that changed everything. It's easy to kill street ball players. That's what you are. Do it against an NBA player. That's what so this, what we, this is what we want to get to because I want to get through that process when you wrote those names down and then I want to know who asked you, Bust, to let you know you were the best out of all the street ballers? Well, for me, the names that I wrote down were guards, right? Um, first of all, double teams were coming ridiculously. Guys didn't want to just play single coverage, right? To me, street ball players, that shit wasn't nothing. Half the motherfuckers don't even know how to play defense. So, and those was back in the days when you can clear the whole side out. Yes. So, again, I'm a guard attacking downhill every possession. I'm big, I'm strong, and I get to the rack. So I can go six, seven times in a row at you. They're going to be fouls. You get what I'm saying? So now you have yep. no mercy. Switch or double. Motherfuckers didn't even want to guard me. Mm. I ain't worrying about the street ball. That ain't even the issue. I'm trying to get to the pros. It's like Mayweather, right? If you a top street ball player, are you going to go at me when I'm just on the scene? You're like, nah, you got to go through everybody else. The names that I wrote down, I wrote down Charles Jones. I wrote down Kareem Reed. I wrote down Woo! Ali Moe. I wrote Woo! down X-Ray Rivera. I wrote down, uh, fuck, who else? I mean, who, 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 who X-Ray? I can't even remember all the names. But if you were those names that you wrote down, those names that you named, they were all killers. So I mean, shout out to all of them. But I also knew that who I had to go through to get the respect. I ain't going after no no second tier players for what? You go at the main dog, cut his fucking head off. Everybody else falling in line. Facts. Everybody got it. Yeah. And if they didn't get it, they send a defender to come guard me because they ain't want the smoke all game. Reputations take years to build and seconds to lose. So that's how street ball works. So it's like the Clippers and the Nuggets. Never, ever move out the fucking way of somebody with nothing to lose and confidence. Because if you got everything to lose, you're going to lose. That's right. Do you understand what I'm saying? I look at it like this. My mentality is different. You're only that good because you got a crew with you. Can you do this shit by yourself with four fucking bums? With three regular ass dudes? That's how I rate shit. That's me. You know what I'm saying? I was the man by myself. You only look like that because you got four other people with you. You ain't like that, homie. You ain't like that. And I'm willing to lose and show you how I get down. You know what? A real motherfucker, they stepping out your way because they see it in my eyes. I needed the park. Listen to me. Every fucking game mattered. Every game. So if I'm approaching it like that because my life depend on it, get the fuck out my way. 
That's the difference. And you can see it in my eyes. My shit was, when I walk in the park, niggas got quiet. Oh, fuck, who gonna guard this nigga? That's what it was. Real talk. There's no other alternative. You know what I'm saying? I'm fresh out of college. I don't want to be home. What I'm gonna do? These guys Listen. didn't need, and that's my point. They Yo. didn't need the park. They didn't yes. need the park. Because they already going overseas. You get what I'm saying? So they just and I love home just for wreck. You know what yep. I'm saying? Let me give my peoples a shout out, whatever. Meanwhile, I'm cold Steven Head. Ooh, this one. I didn't know he was gonna show up. This is gonna be good. <laughs> it's dictated because I understand this. The game is played 90% from the neck up. You might be coming on some chill shit, not knowing who I am or might have heard of who I am. But what you want to do is like, he ain't on my level. I don't need to guard him. Nigga, I'm picking you up full court. I'm going to bump you. I'm going to turn you three times. And if you're not guarding me, I'm going to get a pick and roll where you got to switch and guard me. At some point, if you're competitive, what's going to happen? That's you right. Go kick in. That pride kick in. Now I got you where I want you. Let's go, nigga. Now we're going to see what's really real. Because I know I'm clearing it out five times in a row. I got the license to do it. You feel me? Right. I just brought you into my world. Nigga, you ain't, it ain't advantage you. And hey. then if you bust my ass, you post to. And you ain't going to bust my ass. So if I'm thinking right. about all this shit before the game, every game, who coming today? Oh, he coming? I'm standing right next to you, jump ball. You gonna know the type of energy I'm bringing because I'm the aggressor. I'm the hunter. I'm hunting. You know what I mean? That's what I had to do because I may not see you again. That's the shit I was on. Go to Pro City. You know what the real pros say in New York? Ah, you doing that shit at them parks. You ain't even on a team in Pro City, word. Average 40 or something for the summer. Summer mm. outside changed everything. Average 40. Got MVP of uh, Pro City. Since when they give out MVP regular season of Pro City, it was that crazy. Summer homicide. That's what year was that? College. Not the new shit. Hunter Pro City. What, what, year, what year was that? 04. Because 05, I got the shot to Toronto from the park. Because that's, guess what happened? That's when Ron Ron got 45 on me. That's when I gave Ron Ron 45 in there. Mm. And the summer before that, he came up. The Tony Rosa brought Ron up. Shout out to Ron Artest. I tell this story with all due respect because that changed right. my life. It changed my life. Because if you could do it against him when he was playing against Cole, he stopping everybody, bro, Listen, man. And he coming to the park. Ron don't play. Ron is not the kind of dude that says, I'm just going to go to the park and half-assing. He's not half-assing it. So when you got Ron Ron, you got Ron Ron. See, the thing is, I didn't get Meta World Peace. I got Ron Ron, <laughs> Warrior. I got yeah. a guy that was, I got him defensive player of the year with Indiana. They brought him to Rucker right after he won it. Mm. To guard me. And I finished that game with 26. The double started coming. I was shocked. And this was, look, this was the hardest 26 point. I never worked this hard to score in my life. He ripped me, he blocked my shot. He was real physical. And with my never, we have the same type. We cut from the same cloth. So it's like, nigga, I'm coming right the fuck back. He like, get that shit the fuck out of here. I said, nigga, I'm coming right the fuck back. So it's like, what 
would usually work against players. And even if they came back, they missing. And I was hitting. You know what I'm saying? He played off a little bit, jump shot hit. He played tight, crossed, went to the basket. Boom! Dumped that shit so hard, that shit spiked down. It was crazy, right? So my point was, the double team came. And for me, respect. it was the right there. It changed for me. We lost by two. By two. And I was like, I was so grateful for the opportunity for me to know. I knew, like, it ain't about streetball players. If you feel you want to play at the next level, it's not about beating streetball players. Because we all in the same barrel at that point. You need to beat an elite player. Not an NBA player that gets no playing time. That shit don't matter. Right. What's going to take me mentally to the next level? An elite defensive player of the year. The hardest 26 I ever scored in my life. That game gave me Rucker Park MVP. Mm. And then I'm going to tell you what, what the difference is mentally for me. We lose, right? The next summer, first game at Rucker Park, NBA TV. We play against... God bless the dead. Ali Mo. Yes. Sue Ali Moe. Big Strick. Yeah. Big Strick for sure. J.R. Smith. Dante Jones. That was They was all on one team? That's they starting five. I see what I you're saying now, bro. I finished with 45. Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you again. Dante Jones. J.R. Mm. Smith, mm. Keith Catterfield, mm. Ali Mo, Big Strick. I finished with 45. I should have had 52-53. I missed some free throws. That game was on NBA TV. That game got me the shot to where the Toronto Raptors scout, I mean, I'm sorry, assistant coach Jim Todd came to watch me play, okay? That game would not have happened in the manner that it did, if it wasn't for me playing against the defensive player of the year, Ron. Because what does that do for me? If the defensive player of the fucking year, a Queensbridge dude. Yeah, straight from the hood. Yo, yeah. listen. If Ron, Ron the type, when the game over at Rucker, he taking the D train home. Built different that's new york to the core facts he on the downtown side i'm on the uptown side going to the bronx tight shit you know what i'm saying that's dna that's that's new york that's, that's how right. raw, raw he is he playing hard outside like he playing he might play harder in the park than he would in, in the nba i'm telling you i know i've seen yeah. it trust me so so Mentally, with me knowing he couldn't stop this, there's no fucking way I'm allowing anybody else regular, regular defenders. <laughs> no way. They're not 6'9. These guys are 6'4, right. 6'5. That ain't tall enough. Give me 45, yo. On the phone with Jim Todd. One of my OGs knew him and was like, uh, Jim Todd told him, this is how I went. Jim Todd told him 15 years, eight, I'm going to say about 25 years now today, 
they've been good friends. Back then, it's like right now, it's like if I'm, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm at and I'm like, yo, you ever get a guy, you know, can go. I know what your eye for talent is because you my man. You let me know. I push for him to get a look in the NBL. You no don't doubt. use that plug for 15 years. Mm. And you always had the green light. You know how much talent you see and you know? Because you know you ain't picking up that call if it ain't for real. Facts. You pick the phone up. Call me. I say, yo, I don't even question. I said, just let me, what's his positions? Da -da -da. I said, all right, cool. I'm going to go check him out. That was the year they took Charlie Villanueva in the draft. That was 2005. Mm. He calls me. He calls me, Jim, uh, Jim Todd. Hey, coach, how you doing? He said, yeah, man, I heard you gave fucking JR and Dante all, and, you know, Kenny said all these numbers. I said, yeah, you know, listen, I got no choice. I'm trying to get to where you at, coach. He said, all right, good shit. We stay in touch. Cool. He calls me one morning, a couple weeks after. He calls me one morning, and random. Hey, I'm sorry, what you doing? I said, coach, what's going on? I'm just waking up. He's like, where you playing at today? He's like, you at Rucker? I said, nah. So you at Pro City? I said, nah. He said, well, where you playing? I said, I got to get an indictment. He said, uh, what time? I said, 7.30. He's like, all right, I'll see you there. I'm in New Jersey doing a camp right now, but I'll be there later. I said, all right, coach, wow. later. Click. Let me tell you something. Right then and there. Forks in the road. There's a fork in the road. All this time in your life, you've said no one's helped you. All this time in your life, you said you've never had an opportunity. You've been overlooked. You know, you say all the shit. You're a rose that's growing from concrete. All the bullshit themes and, and, and memes <laughs> and these sayings that people say that inspire you. Well, guess yeah. what? There's a fork in the road. What you going to do with it? An NBA coach, assistant coach, is coming to see you play. I hung the phone up. I looked at myself in the mirror that morning. I got up. I went and took my shots in the park because these were the things I was doing. Let me tell you, I wasn't just rocking up, going to games, playing. I was shooting around. I was the guy as an adult in the rain, dribbling. That mm. shit that like Sebastian and Steph was doing through the fire early in the morning. <laughs> I'm doing this at, at post-college for streetball games. You don't understand when I say I That's need real. the park. I needed the park. You don't know when your opportunity is coming when you don't get opportunities. So you always got to be ready. I'm going to say that again. You don't know when the opportunity is going to come because you never usually have opportunities. So you always right. got to be ready. Preparation is power. I wasn't about to let nothing, no opportunity fucking slip because you know the worst thing ever? Regret. Yep. I sleep good at night. Cause I get Eminem said the best. Eminem said the best. You only get one shot to blow when opportunity knocks. We lose a draw. I give it my all. And I could mm. I could take an L if I gave it my all. Because I could look at myself in the mirror and say, yo, you know what? Yo, you gave it your all, B. So you can do. Wasn't your day. And I took many L's. I took many. But I got some. I got enough of the, the right opportunities right. You ain't gonna hit them all. That's reality. No. Yeah. I got the right opportunities right. So, 
he comes up to Dykeman. And the difference between this, a coach, this assistant coach for the NBA, I'm going to tell you what the difference is between him and everybody else. I fought a big stigma um, because I came from my background as what? Streetball, right? So this time, um, and one was on the scene hard. So yeah. and one marketed themselves as the best street ball players in the world. So if you do not understand culture, you not understand New York City basketball culture, right? You don't know that there's a difference between real street ball and street ball Harlem Globetrotters. You just <laughs> hear street ball and you automatically think and one. So yep. There was a lot of opportunities that I never got because people automatically thought I was an and one type of street ball player. And it hurt a lot. But the difference between this situation with Jim Todd, he coached with Coach Couch at Columbia back in the day. He's from Boston. So he saw plenty games in his time in New York to understand there's some real basketball talent in New York. Right. That's why it was that easy for him to come see me play because he understood the culture. He comes to Dykeman. I let nobody know he's there. You know, a lot of scouts, they come, they just come, you know, white dudes, 6'10", fucking golf shorts on, polo, New Balance. You know what I mean? Typical, like, you know, fucking looking like a golfer. And he's right, like, right. He ain't announcing like this mad apparel on him. Nope, nothing. Plain clothes. Charlie Villanueva under the gate. No difference. Charlie from the Heights, Dominican power. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think Charlie from Brooklyn or Queens, but you know, Dominican. So from Brooklyn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Standing out. He's just blending in. Hey, coach, how you doing? You know, go in. I tell Kenny at Dykeman, commissioner. I say, yo, don't say nothing about this. This this uh this scout is here. We play Team 914. Anybody know back in the day, Team 914 used to win a bunch of shit. They're super competitive. I know God was with me. Let me tell you why I know. This is the summer homicide. Off the rip, it's doubles. Because they know, just double him, you're going to win. First half of the game, nobody doubled me. I had 25 at half. Kenny gave me, the audience, a standing ovation for the performance. Second half, I finished the game with 29. I only scored twice in the second second half. We lose. I know exactly why. The doubles came. I start kicking it to the open man. That's it. The rest of the half. At the end of the game, I knew what the fuck he was going to tell me. Exactly what I was doing. He says to me, Corey, you know what impressed me the most about this game? Not your 25 at half. Your opportunity to recognize when the double came and kicked it to the open man and you found the open man. Bingo. You know what's the biggest story? The lesson of this? It's not about me trying to go for 50. What the fuck would I be on an NBA team if I made it? I'd be a 20-20 player. You know what I call that? When you're up 20 and you're down 20, you're getting in the game. My job is to come in and play defense. My job is to Make it hard for the point guard when they're bringing the ball up. My job is to show my durability and my strength and my, and my ability to penetrate and get to the basket and kick it to fucking Chris Bosh and Jalen Rose and Mo Pete for those looks. When I'm in the game, I'm a practice player. I understood 
what my role would be had I made an NBA. He left that game, went up and argued with the VP, the Babcock brothers, Pete and Mike Babcock. Sam Mitchell was the coach. I got straight to veteran camp for Toronto. Off and mm. That's how I got my shot to the NBA. Straight from the park. That's how I got there. So, at the time, Skip was there. And then, like, a couple days later, Skip got traded to Houston. They brought in Mike James. Yes, right? I remember that. Miamiville Horror. So, it's Mike James. Um, it's Jose Calderon. They had just got him from Spain. And they have uh, Alvin Williams, the OG Alvin Williams, right? Yes. So, Alvin Williams, at the time, was injured for the last year and a half. His knees were shot, like no cartilage. But they still had a lot of money left on his contract. So at this point, it's literally, we're going to bring up three guards. And if Alvin Williams ain't good to go, we picking one of these guards if the doctors say Alvin Williams can't play. They bring in uh, Robert Pack, who's a veteran who used to play. Oh, with yeah. We know Robert Pack. Pack. Yes. Right. OG Robert Pack. They brought in T.A. Brown. He had just finished the year before with mm -hmm. uh, the Lakers. And they bring in this street ball player because this head coach, this assistant coach that's raving about him won't shut the fuck up. So I'm pretty sure it went like that. I'm pretty sure. What do we got to lose? There's no way this guy's going to be good. But, you know, whatever, right? If nothing else, we got a guy that played the year before, T.A. Brown. He played in L.A., so we know he can play at the point. And we got a veteran who knows the game. You know what I'm saying? That's an insurance piece right there. Cool. They bring me in. Played a few games in practice. I'm showing up. I'm doing solid. Nothing crazy because at the end of the day, you just got to try to do <laughs> show as much as you can with the little bit of time you get. So it's damn near right. you trying to be perfect. You know what I mean? It ain't about <laughs> you. You know what I mean? Like you basically the fifth. You fighting for the 15th spot. Fam, you ain't getting that much light. Let's, let's be real. You just trying to show that you solid enough with the little bit of time you get, you know? So the first few games, we didn't get in. I got a little bit of time. T.A. Brown is playing. It's three of us trying to play. We're all not going to play. So it was one game I played bad. Um, we played against Boston. And it's literally, yo, this shit is this shit hard. It's literally like we're going to throw you in, like, in the fourth quarter with, like, fucking – Four minutes in the game or some shit. You've been sitting all day. How are you going to perform? You know what I'm saying? You warm up. You, you've been chilling for an hour and a half on the bench. Now they throw you in. What do you think you're about to do? <laughs> Adrenaline is rushing. I'm like, yo, I'm finally in the game. Calm your ass down. Like, this shit, this shit was so wild, right? So, anyway, you know, I played bad. I'm like, fuck. Fucked up, cause again, you know me. I'm like, I don't get these opportunities. That's you know right. I mean? so you just want to be right because you don't know when it's gonna end. You know. So I'm like, fuck. So I went and um, we had dinner that night, and then we had breakfast in the morning. I went to Sam Mitchell. I said, oh, "Coach," because you know, obviously, you got you getting way more time to play in practice. So in practice, I'll show way more, cause I'm playing the whole practice pretty much. You know, so I went to Sam Mitchell. I was like, listen, I'm saying to myself, yo, you ain't got nothing to lose, fam. Like, 
You better go speak up. So I said, yo, coach, you know, I just want to let you know, man, my bad. You know, I didn't play good last night. You know, I know I ain't show you what I showed you in practice. All I'm asking is for another chance. Don't stop believing in me. Give me another yo, chance. Hold on. Let's come back. Let's come back. See, that's Joe. We're going to come back. All right? All right. All right. All right, you're back. Yeah, um, I think... You were talking about the... Uh, yeah, I, I, know we I know where we at, but, you know, the lessons that's being dropped... It's just oh, like man, this is crazy. So more people no, look, on. Yes, yeah. because people need to hear these things, especially the young guys. And one of the things I want to do when the high school season starts... Uh, I'll be out to these high school games like I'm usually am, uh, but this time with the basketball heads and try to connect these young guys with you guys, right? So they can get these lessons so they don't have to make the same mistake. Or if a, a guy's in this situation, he know he don't have to never give up. You know, there's always a chance because of Corey Williams. You know, um, so, you know, we lose the next day. I see Sam Mitchell and Coach Mitchell, and I'm just like, yo, Coach, man, like, I know I ain't played yesterday like I played in practice. All I'm asking is don't give up on me. Give me another mm. shot. He said, well, you still here, ain't you? I said, yeah. He's like, all right, I'll see you in practice. I was like, bet. <laughs> right? I was like, <laughs> Wow. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, it was more me actually, I'm on the court. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. The adrenaline was crazy. Like, I felt like I drank, like, five Red Bulls in a row. Or oh, my heart was just pumping. I was like, the anxiety. I was like, yo, I'm fucking here. I'm like, calm down. <laughs> Man, a dream come true. A dream yo, come true. I'm like, I'm finally here. I was like, all right, calm down. So here's the day. Here's, here's, here's the day. So Vince Carter had just got traded in that offseason, right? Vince Carter just got traded in the offseason. When Vince got traded to the Nets, Toronto um, had Lamar Murray. And Lamar, oh, yeah. Murray, Lamar Murray said, if y'all that dumb to trade your franchise player, Trade me too. We <laughs> traded him to New Jersey as well. Right? So Sam Mitchell hated Lamar Murray and he hated him. You know, so you know how it is. Some coaches and players don't get along. Whatever. Yeah. The next game. And I felt it in the air. I'm like, yo, they ain't make no cuts yet. Somebody gonna have to go. You know, you know when you borderline making a team or not. You looking at the transaction section in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at all the other teams. Make sure your name don't appear nowhere in that paper. Right. Yeah, I'm like, damn. I'm like, all right, I'm still here. But I know we got like maybe four, four, three, four games left. We ain't make no cuts yet. It's in the air at some point. So I'm like, time running out. You ain't make a good impression yet. I'm like, all right, cool. But I'm going hard in practice. All right, cool. Let me show these dudes. We played against New Jersey Nets. Vince gave us like 20 and 20 minutes. You know, he's superstar, light work, sit down. Lawrence Frank, Jason Kidd, that whole crew. Yeah. We are down 10 points with five minutes left. 
coach called timeout. He subs in me, Tierra Brown, Robert Pack. I'm like, I'm like, fuck, this is it. But I'm like, damn. It's three point guards in the game. Now, I can't be the guy once we about to take the ball out right now. I'm going to just run to the ball because we're all trying to run to the ball to handle it. You know what I mean? You can't do that. I'm like, fuck, let me just run on this wing. So I'm running down the left wing. We bring the ball up. Coach is like, timeout. Timeout. I'm like, fuck, we just had a timeout. What's going on? This nigga goes, you ready? Whoever Lamar Murray is guarding, give him the ball. Woo! God was with me. Let me tell you, man, there's times I recognize. There's times you can't recognize, but there's times you recognize. I know God was with me right there. Mm. God was with me today at Dykeman Park. He with me every day, but there's certain times he, he letting you know, fam, here's a shot. You've been working hard enough. Let's see what you really do. Lamar Murray was guarding me. There's a play that's called pistol, right? Pistol, I think it was called. Not pistol. It was something. But anyway, I forgot the play name. Where the point guard dribbles to the left to the guy who's going to get the ball on the wing. He dribbles to the wing, and the wing player cuts up the middle and replaces. But he cuts through the middle. Yes, yeah. Of the big, goes to the middle, catches it on at the top. And then it's just basically one-on-one, -on -one you go. <laughs> Yo, I'm going to tell you this. Long story short. Five minutes left in the game. Not only do we go to overtime, we win the game. Mm. I finish with 11 points, three assists, two steals, three rebounds. We win the game. We played out the whole, actually, nine minutes. I mean, yeah, nine, five, four minutes, four and a half. Nine and a half minutes. I finished. Those were my numbers, and we win the game, bro. And we won probably, like, by, like, two. And the last play defensively, I take the charge to seal the win. Wow. Let me tell you something, y'all. That game, not only for me, gave me what I knew that I had in me. It led me to believe what I thought. I knew I could play in the NBA. The next day. I get to practice. I was always the first one there, the last one to leave, right? Tier Brown locker, cleaned out. Robert, pa Robert Pack locker, cleaned out. I was like, oh, shoot. Oh, it's like, I said, yo, again, calm down. I'm talking to myself. Calm your ass down. Act normal. Well, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we have those moments. Yo, we have those moments. I was like, yo, what the fuck? So, you know, in, in NBA lockers, like, the seat you sit on, when you stand up, your sneakers be going in the cubby underneath. It's the seat. You know, yes. you lift up the top. So that's where the, the, your sneakers be at. So the nameplate gone. Practice jersey that's hung up, gone. Sneakers gone. I was like, yo, they got cut last night. That game saved me. And from there, uh, it might have been three games left, but then Alvin Williams started practicing. Alvin Williams can't move. He didn't like, 
like just trying so bad to play. And ultimately, at the end of those last three games preseason, doctors cleared him to play. That's why I didn't make it. That's why I didn't make it. <laughs> so from there, but, uh, question, question. Yes. Was that game that y'all played in New Jersey, was that in New York no, or no, Jersey? No. That was that was that was in Toronto. Oh Toronto. Okay, okay, okay. In Toronto. So okay. Ultimately that was like my experience. And I wasn't even mad that I didn't make it because the whole goal was to ensure that I beat out the competition. Those guys got cut before me. You know what I'm saying? And I knew that that game saved me. You know, I scored double digits in less than double less, in nine and a half minutes. That's right. I was extremely grateful for that opportunity because anyhow Lamar Murray don't guard me, I don't get the ball consistently. So I felt at one point after I scored two times, you know, I even caught two and ones, like two and ones. And I was just more like, now this shit feel like the park. I'm getting the ball. <laughs> Yo, this shit felt like I was coming down. Like, I was like, I felt like I was in the park. You got your chance to do That's right. Comfort. So when you get to a place mentally where your level of comfort, you're able to perform regardless of where you're at. So I was just extremely grateful for that. After that, you know, I had bullshit jobs overseas, you know, but at the end of the day, you got to take whatever you got to take to continue this journey. You know what I'm saying? I always knew where I was currently at wasn't where I was going to be. You know what I'm saying? My, my, my current situation wasn't my final destination. I knew that. You got to start. You know what I'm saying? You got to start somewhere. So... You know, it was that, and after that, you know, I went to the CBA. That's when the CBA was still dope. You know, I let it. I let it in triple doubles. I was Rondo before Rondo in that league. Then I got wow. a shot to go to summer league with Indiana. I went to uh, mini camps with Boston. You know, and then from there, once you get to summer league, they play you if they play you. They don't if you don't. Sometimes they play you. Sometimes they don't. You do what you can when you're in there, and that's it. Then from there, um, I went to training camp with Denver. George Carl fucked with me. But I got cut. Um, Anthony Carter was uh, the veteran. George Carl, George Carl fucks with everybody. So, yeah. So, Whatever. I, um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Anthony Carter, you know, was the guard they signed. And Anthony Carter's legit, a legitimate NBA point guard with the yes. experience, and he won championships. So, I wasn't even, that was just the experience to get there. Then from there, I went to the D League and uh, I won the championship for uh, the Dakota Wizards in the, in the D League. And then from there, I went to Summer League with Golden State. And from there, um, I was older. I was, like I said, I was a late bloomer. When I got the shot to Toronto, I was 27. You know mm. what I'm saying? So at this point, I didn't make, uh, I didn't get invited to training camp for Golden State. I went to Summer League in Vegas. But at this point, what did I just do in the last three years? Remember, I always look at the big picture, right? Before that, what did my resume look like? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was weak countries I was playing for overseas. So now, when you look at the resume, all of a sudden, it's an immediate level up. I went from working fast food restaurants to Fortune 500 companies. That's what it is. So you're That's looking right. at That's a, right. a level up in experience and exposure. That's what companies pay for. That's where you add value. What does your resume look like? What have you done? What's your skill set? Who do you work for? 
if you are CEO of a company, right? You got a family, your kids are in college, you got a mortgage to pay, you got car payments to make, right? Are you going to put your life and your children's college tuition on hiring a guy that works fast food or hiring a guy that works at Fortune 500 company? Fortune 500 all the time, baby. There you go. Why is that? Because if he doesn't work, that's a logical decision that your higher-ups wouldn't look at you crazy at. You understand? That's a sound decision. But if you take a risk at this at this kid from a fast food restaurant and it don't work out, you get fired. Now your job is at risk because now yeah. you have to question your judgment. And that's how people lose out and don't understand how the business of uh, life works, let alone basketball. So I knew at that point I got a better agent. I got better representation. And with better representation and agent, it's an easier sell for him to get you good jobs overseas. So based off the resume in the last three years, overseas, they're looking at you like, Okay, this guy's a borderline NBA player. He's on the fringe. The right situation, he could make it or he could But either way, we respect the body of work and the experience his resume is showing, which makes him worthy of getting this salary and playing at this level internationally. You know what I mean? I get to Australia, which that league worked well for me because it's a run-and-gun league. That's how New Yorkers play. That's how East Coast ballers play. We play like this. Yeah, we don't yeah. have court. Why? Because the majority of New Yorkers can't shoot. Facts. We get to the rack. We love transition basketball. So you have to find the league that matches your style of play. Why would I want to work for a company that I can't highlight highlight what I value, highlight my strengths? It's not going to work. I'm going to be a liability and I'm going to lose a job. Get what I'm saying? If you think like companies and I think guys would be better off. Yeah. I think, yo, I'm good. I can play. My man told me I'm nice. This should work out. No, you didn't do your research. You don't even know the type of uh, skills they look in guards before you and who's done well with that. If they've done well with them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it happens in college too. It happens in college too. Yeah. You know what I'm God saying? God picking the wrong school. Oh, you got to know these things. Yeah. You know, so I was able to, my agent told me, look, you're a little older, you're 30. Um, this is a country that East Coast, especially New York ball players, do really well in. Um, you know, I used to represent D-Mac, Daryl McDonald. I got him yeah. down here. Shout out to D-Mac. That's right. Salute. And uh, he did well here. I think you can do well. I said, all right. Came down, hit the ground running. My first year, did well. My second year, we lost to go to the chip. My third year, we lost to go to the chip again. I get MVP of the league. I go to Greece. I sign with a team that signed in the Euro League. They go broke. I leave. I didn't get my first payment. I leave. I go back to Australia. My fourth season, I signed with a different team. And that was it. Then I went to the Middle East for five years. And I came back. What I did in the time being of my, um, my career playing in Australia was I built a fan base. Coming from New York, understanding... Um, sports and entertainment from our culture we are the culture we understand what moves you yeah, study yeah. culture you get it 
I understood um, being the guy that they love to hate is almost better than being the guy that they love. Because they'll never forget you. They'll always watch you because some guys want you to win and most guys want you to lose. But either yeah. way, they're watching. I understood going into an arena on the road and I would grab somebody in the front row and I would just go to them random on the layup line and say, I'm about to bust your fucking team's ass today. And every time I score, I'm going to look at you. What have I just done in the big scheme of things? I've just given that fan a personal engagement they'll never forget. That's right. And I'm building fan base like that. You go on TV, you make a comment that you really believe, but you better back it up. They'll say, yo, I'm side, you know. Oh, I know you're playing this team today. You know, they're really good defensively. You know, uh, talk to me about these matchups. 30 in the win. See them up. You get what I'm saying? But what does that also do for me? It puts myself under more pressure to come out and give this work. Either way, you're watching. That's intriguing for somebody to do that. Why do you think people love Westbrook and hate Westbrook? Because he is who he is. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes you have players that are like that. You know, on top of that, um, because of what I was doing in street basketball and the notoriety I was getting worldwide because of the whole homicide brand, I was able to get a sneaker deal with a company called K1X. I had my own signature sneaker in Foot Locker. Mm. Again, my own, you can go buy the 187, which is the police code for murder, for homicide. <laughs> Facts. In Foot Locker Global. Who's done that? I didn't say a sneaker deal, a signature sneaker deal. I got MVP of the league balling in my own shoe. Mm. Billboards all over the world, magazine covers. There ain't nothing I ain't do with this game. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing that I have not done with this game. That's right, fam. So, so with all of that, you know, um, NBL reached out and was like, listen, man, we didn't have anybody like you since you left this league, and we think that you'd be a great fit to commentate. You know what I mean? Now, was that Larry Kelsman who took over the league? Yeah, Larry Kesselman, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's done and he changed and he changed the whole look of the uh, of the NBL, brought you along, and it's been taking off ever since. Yeah, man. Um, you know, one thing I respect about him is uh hard work. You know, there's a lot of times where you know people have a lot of money and own things but aren't really passionate about it. People, you know, like for example, look at James Dolan, right? James Dolan ain't passionate about the Knicks. He just no, no, they that never going to make a lot of money. And yeah. he don't give a fuck about it, right? Yeah. And he's still an owner. He's making his money like, yeah, whatever, whatever. I can talk to about anybody however I want to talk to him. And he just handles it like that. And as a result, that's what the product looks like. Right. Which is unfortunate. You know? However, you know, when 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 Larry loves basketball, man, he loves the NBL. You know, he wants the NBL to be just as official as the NBA is. And because of the fact that he's as passionate as he is for the league, it ain't going to fail. And, you know, a lot of times people talk about it and not really about it. Put your money where your mouth is. You, I hear you talking. He's doing that. So when someone's doing that and that passionate and that all in, ain't going to fail, yo. 
It ain't filming. Mm. It ain't filmed. So, you know, he just wanted to ensure that he has a team that's just as passionate. And I know every day when I get up, you know, I know he's up early in the morning on it. How are we going to move this forward? How are we going to move this back? Think about it. How many leagues that's not in the NBA, not non-NBA leagues, that is in bed with the NBA where five or six of the eight teams in the league are playing preseason in the NBA? Now, you explain to me, you might have seen one team from a country, maybe, you know, an NBA team is playing a team in China, from China, yep. or one time, playing a team one. in Israel. That's a one-on-one. Yep. One. Five? Five. Six. And not one game. They played two games. Mm. Two games. How do you pull something like that off? You got to be all in. You understand what I'm saying? Yo, listen, man. It's it's What I can say is this. It's a pleasure being a part of this league in the way that I'm a part of it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because, hey, look, you know, this job, I love it. I'm passionate about it. As you can see, I talk for a living. This is what I do. I, I talk. I talk like this. This is a part of our culture. We could be a part. We could do this all day. Yeah, yeah. We New Yorkers. We talk. If I That's didn't right. know myself the way I did when I played here, I couldn't have this job. You understand? So it ain't even just the fact that, yeah, I talk. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm passionate about what I'm talking about, but also played the game. You know what I'm saying? I was MVP of the league, so I add credibility in that way. So they like it, Stephen A., with who I love. Where, you know, ball players be like, you don't even play. Nah, you can't say that. In fact, I might bust your ass right now. Don't <laughs> Listen, that, that, that's like, real. don't get it twisted, you know? So I ain't that far removed from it. <laughs> yeah. Now, so. listen, from, from, from knowing you on the ball side to getting to know you on the analyst side, you know, I, I, I definitely see it, man. You bring your own style, your own charisma, but it's still that New York, right? I still feel at home, even though I know you all went, you know, in Aussie land, right? I still feel at home when I'm listening to you or when I'm checking you out on YouTube, you know. So keep that New York fire in you, man. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. The, the new mecca basketball is California. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Cali. They doing it. They doing it. You know, we've, I mean, think about it, you know. Um, we've had, we've had it this whole time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How far you want to go back? You know, we've had it. It's like, it's like hip hop. Yeah, we've had it. You know, so. Um, yeah, we got to get back to it though. I think it's it's more it's this internet era, man. You know, it's this internet era where everybody's just all these kids, man. They just just on the phone, man. Just just on the phone all the time, and texting, and and they lost essence of it. You know, um, sometimes yeah. when you didn't, when you when you weren't a part of the building process, you don't have the pride. You don't have the pride that you should have because. You know, we built this. So when yes. we build it, we hold it in high regard. We're proud. That's right. And we're going to hold this shit. We're going to hold ourselves accountable to ensure my son, listen here, B, this how you ate. Now, his son, the grandson, ain't looking at it like that. 
You know what I'm saying? It's just it's That's just right. a different day and age. And you know, until that pride is back instilled in the game and how we carry ourselves in New York with it, it's gonna be Cali for a long time. So, yeah. You know, I try to reach out to a lot of my guys because you know we came up under a different style of coaches and we did well. And now a lot of my guys are in power positions. And I'm saying to myself, you know, what happened? What what are we doing? We need to get back to what got us here and right. that far in basketball and in life. And it kind of instill that into these kids right now. Yeah. It's important, man. Like we have so much talent, you know, we're losing our kids to so many other other things, you know. Got kids are nowadays forced to do adult things as a kid, you know, versus if they were on the court, you know, there's some, you know, just that's where you need the OGs, where you'd be like, yo, listen, man, like, you really ain't that good. Take it from me. This what the fuck you need to work on. You know, as opposed to these kids, who are they listening, who are they listening to? And the person who never played basketball before. That's right. Where did their career take them for this kid to be listening to them or are right. they just latching on to them to, because they think they're the next best thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. oh, my man, you can't leave this park for about 10 hours. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go handle some shit. And I'll see you when I'm back. Like, remember them days? Dude, yeah. just wake up. Yo, 12 o'clock. This is out there hooping until the lights go off. Yeah, that's how a lot of guys got better. Everyone got better that way, playing against each other, playing in New York City. We didn't leave the city that much. Then we started to leave the city for greater pasture. We started going to different AAU programs. We started playing in different camps. And then slowly but surely, we started to lose that New York feel. I think, I think because, I think the real biggest thing is, is just the love for the game. You know what I'm saying? If you don't love it, if you don't love it, People are down nowadays. People are down for the Instagram. They Instagram ballers. And what I mean by that, <laughs> you love it for the attention. The clips, you know the clip, the training clips, the training yeah, clips. Yeah, you know, the, I'm getting the, mad the one thing. and all of this. They ain't really ready. Like people, a lot of people hit me. Yo, I want to play. I said, word. You want to play? I hear you. What you What you willing to do for this game? You ready to kill for this game? You ready to die for this game? Yeah, you sure? All right, what if I gave you a gun right now and said, you just got to kill this person or you can't play basketball no more? Mm. i do it. What if I said, you got to kill your pops or your moms to play this game? You can't play no more. Would you do it? Uh, uh, go sit down. And let me tell you why. It's not about killing your parents. It's about mentally, where are you willing to go for this? There game? you go. There you go. Okay? If you asking me for help, you ain't favored. Okay? You ain't good enough. You're not favored. Oh, I need an opportunity. You know what you wanted to do? You're going to have to build. What I tell you about the car that I had? Excuse me, what you say? What I tell you about that car that I had to build? Oh yeah, the, the different parts. That's right. If that's right. Built. That's the hard road. Is my point. If you yeah. built mentally 
to endure and go through. You understand what I'm saying? Let alone just being a black man in the world. Yes, definitely. That's a whole nother battle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Can you handle yourself right in other countries? You understand what I'm saying? And, what and, think about all, and think about all the no's you got. Think about all the, you know, sorry, not good enough, come back next year, uh, come back to this camp. Come. Are you built for that? I, this is what I'm saying. Are you built for rejection? Yo, mentally, all the things you have to go, you don't even know what you got to go through. Can you still keep going? Can, right. you, can you keep going when you don't even know what the road looks like? Uncertainty. You ain't ready for this shit, man. You want it to be easy. You want me to just give you a contract. You ain't ready, bro. You ain't ready, man. You ain't ready. Listen, I, I, I tell people with, with, with this show, you know, I got home. I'm a dean of my high school and basketball coach, right? Got home, had some errands, had some repairs to do in my apartment. But I knew I had to go and shoot that commercial for you. I knew it. Sun was about to go down. Had to meet up with my 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 uh, sponsor to get some things. Had to make sure my artists get here on time. But it's like, what are you going to do to get to the next level? And I look at this as basketball. But I was putting in those 2,000 shots a game. I mean, a day. And running the beach in Coney Island. You know, it's the same work ethic. It's what you do when you get up and think about what who are you going to talk about? What game are you going to mention? How prepared are you going to be? So all of these things we're setting presidents for these young kids so they can have models to follow. All you know, definitely, right. definitely. So, question. Who, who is the best high school, college, and pro player you played against? Three people. In high school, who is the best, college, and the pro? Well, in high school, I got to give you two names, right? I'm going to give you Sham Garwells, and I'm going to give you Lamar Odom. Mm. One of the reasons why I do this show, first of all, Lamar Odom. We'll talk about that, though. Facts. Um, college, the best play I played against was, at the time, I'm going to say, uh, we played against Arkansas. Oh, my God. Nolan Richardson, 40 minutes of hell. That whole team. Oh, yeah. They press, 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 press. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what you going to do. That's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, it wasn't Kareem Reed. I forgot the two guards' name, but Arkansas host team. Like, they, they, they were, it was ridiculous, man. They right. just, no, no. College, I'm going to say Eddie Robinson. I played against him in Juco. Eddie oh. Robinson went from Juco directly to the Bulls. He got drafted to the Bulls. He from Junior like, College? Eddie Robinson. He went to Juco first. Wow. Right? And, he was like, for me, way KD before KD. He was like 6'10", a wing player with handle and a jump shot. I had to guard him. Wow. So he's shooting a jump shot. How the hell am I contesting a 6'10 guy <laughs> with a jump? Yo, I put my hand up to defend him on the jump shot to close out. Uh -huh. My hand was at his belly button, at his waist. That's how much, that's how higher he was shooting the chain. I 
right? Yeah. I had nothing to do with the shot. So that's him in college. And at pro, um, the best player, I mean, I, I can't even, I don't, I can't say I played against him because I was on the bench. But, like, I saw LeBron at Cleveland. We, I, we played against them. Cleveland's uh, obviously Toronto. And I was just like, damn, yo. Like, he was just huge. Like, now he's lean. But we talking about LeBron maybe three, four years in the league. Right, right, he was, right. He was unbelievable. Like, one of his legs are both of my legs put together. Like, he was – it was unreal. You know, I played against Darren Williams. He was tough. He had got drafted his first year out. He – we know Darren Williams was nice. Um, overseas, a guy named Dwarf Spencer. He was like the Ray Allen of overseas. Smooth like Hennessy. Illish jump shot ever. Like, he was – he was dead nice, you know. Um, Ron was the hardest though because I think that I really had a chance to play against him. You know what I'm saying? Like he was the toughest, and I know that he's like he's NYC tough, so he takes pride with what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. He takes Definitely. pride in what he's doing. So um, I think that was really the toughest challenge and a toughest play that I could say I played against. You know what I'm saying? Like we went, and you got the real Ron Ron. You you got the real yeah. Ron Ron. Like yeah, you know, you back know. Up against the wall here in his own city. He's not trying to let some guy outdo him. I played against a lot of players, you know, and a lot of them, you know, whether it was in a league or not, or was just matching up playing. You know what I'm saying? I played, you know, Andre Miller. I don't rent. Yo, I was yo. Listen, man. <laughs> listen, I used to live in Denver, right? I used to live uh -huh. in Denver, and you know. When you a guy that play overseas and you a local guy and you you know the right people, they'll let you in the gym. Right. You know what I mean? So that's how I got the shot to go to camp with the Nuggets. Listen to this shit. <laughs> so I'm in the gym. You know, there's a guy who I know that knows, you know, some of the guys over there. So they like, yo, how are you home? If you, you know, you free, like, yo, come, come to the Nuggets gym. So in my head, I'm like, all right, for me, this opportunity to show these motherfuckers what I can do. I'm trying to, this is how I'm thinking because I ain't getting through right. the front door. So I That's can right. figure out ways. I walked in that gym, I was like, all right, these guys are too little. And oh, actually, I forgot. I went to Nuggets minicamp because of what I did in the CBA. So got I got you. invited to minicamp. So that's when I was in the gym. So now being living in the gym, an NBA facility does not feel like an NBA facility if you're every if you're in there every day. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like you in the gym, you about to hoop. Your level of comfort becomes just as comfortable as the park. So right. comfortability mentally is everything. So I'm in the gym and they love it how I'm playing. I'm confident because I just finished in the CBA ragging motherfuckers. So I'm coming in like all right, I just got the Toronto Raptors experience. You know what I mean? I just did that whole circle. I did summer league. I did mini camp. You know what I'm saying? Now I've just finished the minor league. Okay, now I'm here. Let's go. They invite me in. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm invited in. I'm not, like, going through the back door. So I get the mini camp. Come in, cook. They invite me to summer league, but I had already committed to Indiana the week before. That's why I didn't go to Denver to summer league. Anyway, I'm in the gym now, so I'm working out every day. They're like, yo, we want you to match up against Andre Miller because, you know, he coming in, and we know you'd be a good matchup. Mr. Double-Double himself.
Mm. Yo. Double Axley. Andre, Andre Miller, right? You know, premier point guard. Andre Miller's nice. Yes. Yo, when I tell you, it was matchups against Andre Miller that got me invited into training camp. Because, you know, you got to look at it like this. When you in the gym, right, for those who ain't been to an NBA facility on a regular, when you in the gym, everybody's in there. There's days where the GM, he's just chilling, just like in the park when we're playing pickup. Like, right. people just be in the gym. So, for me, I'm just looking at it like they might just be chilling, but this is my chance to show something that I could play. So, if, this, if you don't know the names, you're like, this thing's on the team. <laughs> he's on the team because I'm going 100. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. You got to pick him out. Yo, I am going 100. So if nothing else, you like me in the gym because I'm pushing your players, if nothing else. And I'm like, the more I'm in the gym, the more you're going to get to see more I can do. And hopefully, you may give me a look. Mm. This is all I'm going on. And ultimately, that's what occurred. Like, I was in that gym going hard. This is when I was athletic. Like, I'm, what am I? I'm 43 now. You're talking about a starving 31, 29, 30, 31. Going. These dudes, you know, they got their money, so they comfortable because they on the team. Right. You don't know me. You know what I mean? It's the same shit, just a different level. It was like me after college. What was I trying That's to right. do in street ball? They don't know me. They thinking I'm the Corey from Rice. So I'm like, I'm showing you how hard I'm going at you. You know, and you know, coaches like that shit. They're like, yo, he ain't laying now. Like, you know, he going at these dudes. I love it. So, yeah, I was going, I was in that gym going stupid. And those runs used to be crazy. That's where Melo was there. DeMar Johnson, Kenyon, Canby, you know. But the, 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 the game, I think the game that got me the shot, the invite from George Hall to training camp was when Chauncey was in the gym. Chauncey Billups is from Denver. Oh, yes. So, a lot of people don't even know that. Big game Chauncey. Shout out to Big Shot. And, yeah. you know, there's, there was matchups. You know, and plus, in Denver, there's not – Denver's a football town. You know what I mean? It ain't really known for hoopers. Right, so right. like one gym. It ain't like New York. There's a million gyms. <laughs> you know, there's like one gym. One gym, and everybody's there. So I used to be in that gym, killing that gym. And they didn't like me. Clearly, I'm a New Yorker. They talk a lot. So Chauncey comes in one day, you know, that's Chauncey, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, we went at it a little bit or whatever, but nothing crazy, nothing crazy, you know what I mean? So I knew that day, the next day, Chauncey was coming into Denver's gym because they like, Corey, you coming tomorrow? We want you to match up. You know, they were just throwing me on people to match up, the guard. Right. So they like, yo, Chauncey's coming in. We want you to match up because, you know, man, they're not bringing 20 people in. They want to run private, maybe 14. That's right. Tops. And it's all matchups that they got on the board. Who's matching up with who? And quality. Quality and ball. Right. 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 You know, so I got an action maybe two hours early on the shooting machine. <laughs> Let me get this shit right. Yo, it's pro rules. The lane is open. I'm going to get to the rack. Right. Let me get this right. Boy, it might have been the first two games I was on and ready. George Call in the gym. Stan Kroenke in the gym. Assistant coach in the gym, VP in the gym. I'm like, mm. here we go. Won the first game. Second game, lost. 
but it was good. Like, like, like the shit was good. And the next day, my agent hit me. George, George is bringing you to camp. I knew that was the matchup. So again, a lot of times opportunities never came my way, but I knew how to create opportunity. I knew what opportunity looked like. All right, well, if I show up and do well this way enough, something could potentially come out of the situation. Sometimes you got to make your own opportunity, yo. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. Sometimes you got to yeah. make your own opportunity. So. And you've been doing that your whole life, man. It's like, did you write a book yet, fam? Nah, it's coming. You know, we're working on the documentary right now, you know, so um, I'm just grateful that uh, a lot of the stuff, as far as my thoughts, at that present time, I recorded. You know what I'm saying? So whatever I was thinking at the time, of that time, I have it recorded. So it's just literally wow. about putting bits and pieces together because ultimately, I don't know anybody after the game that's doing what I'm doing that never played in the NBA. No, no, that, that, that's what I'm saying. You definitely are one on one. And and please make sure you come back when you when you drop the book documentary. We, it's an open platform for you, fam. Yeah, You're a legend. You deserve that. Anytime you not, or you hit me up, your G, I'm coming on tonight. Let's talk. Yeah, it's not yeah. a problem, fam. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother, man. Thanks for your time. I love jumping on and talking about... No, not, not only that. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. Because I, I, I want to present you with something, fam. Oh, word? Yes. It's two things I want to present you with. One, I want to say that from reading about your story, seeing you play, but then reading about your story and then hearing it from your mouth, you're definitely a one-on-one. -on -one. And you're definitely a New York City legend that needs one of these, man. You want to get a game over trophy, fam. Oh, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. You know what I'm saying? Thank you want to get a game over legend trophy. Thank you know, you, we only I give out a few you. of these, man. And uh, I'm going to talk to my guy and make sure we got that one for you. And also, let's let's do it the right way, cause You're ready, ready. my guy hooked up something nice for you, fam. No word. Oh, 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 that's dope. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fam. Damn. Thank you, man. Yeah, I was telling my guy, I said, uh, he said he was going to be late. I said, brother, as long as you here, you know what I'm saying? We are working. They said, nah, G, I got to come, you know what I'm saying, to make this picture for this guy, man. He's been putting it down. My guy's also a baller, played for Andrew Jackson High School, and he's an artist as well. He worked in the high, uh, I think he worked in the junior high school or elementary yeah, school, but we both work in the schools and he's an art teacher. So we like to just you, put it all together, man, to give our basketball heads some love, man, especially our yeah, God for me. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. Both of you. No doubt. Appreciate no it. No doubt. No doubt. Please send me your information and my DM. So uh, next week I'll mail the stuff out to you. Make sure you get it. All right. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Thank man. you, man. All right, and good luck with everything, man. Thanks, brother. Take care, man. Peace, brother.